welcome to another beautiful day as the light shines on you. I am Brock Sanyu and in the last episode we talked about being able to step back from situations that can be overwhelming or have anxiety from triggers and being able to slow down to see multiple possibilities of the situation. Today, we have a guest with us, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks, Brock. Uh, my name is Jim Schreffler. I'm a psychologist at UMD Counseling Center. I've been here for four years and have some experience outside of um, UMD working with a general community, uh, but most of my experience now is with college students. Um, one of the things to I really wanted to kind of address in regard to um, just our ability to get things done is that whole idea of our belief in ourself, right? That, that the negative beliefs can really get in the way of us being um, all productive, uh, uh, leads to procrastination or, or just anxiety and stress over getting things done and so if we can recognize you know just more of a acceptance of ourselves less of a you know negative view negative concept um, and often <clears throat> excuse me oftentimes when we're kids we grow up with this idea that um my performance is connected to my self-worth, right? So as I, you know, you, we've all heard the, you know, you do well in school and you're saying, oh, what a good boy. Or if you do well in sports, it's, oh, good job. What a good boy you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that leads us to, to make that connection that how I perform is directly related to who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. And so, if we can separate those two things out, it'll reduce our anxiety. We can do better in our in our um, performance, just because it's not it's not so tightly connected to ourselves. Yeah, so. yeah. I think that's something big that we talk about is trying to avoid that shame and judgment of ourselves, because that can get in the way. And something we talked about previously is how to set goals and uh, setting realistic goals for yourself. Ones that won't make you feel ashamed if you don't, you know, like I said, if we're going to bed at midnight, waking up at 11, might not be realistic to say, I'm going to bed at nine and waking up at six from now on, you know, like having a mm -hmm. sort of gradual and, you know, what are, some things that you've seen working with uh, students, like what are some of the judgments people can make about themselves or what is that connected to? Yeah, yeah. It really varies, but the, the um, some of the core beliefs that people come in with, and I, I want to say that they're usually subconscious, right? They're not, people aren't really aware that Oh, I believe this about myself. But if people are able to spend a little time reflecting on their childhood, 
experiences they had as children that were fairly emotionally tied, right? If there were some events that were really disruptive to them. Our brains at those times typically come up with some kind of conclusion that help us make sense of that experience. And so, um, just a, this will be general, but a, a six-year-old who um, is waiting for their parent to come and pick them up who's divorced and they're waiting for hours and the parent never comes, their conclusion is there's something wrong with me. I'm not lovable, right? And as a child, we just don't have the cognitive capacity to understand a bigger picture. It's really limited to kind of a black and white thinking. Good or bad. I'm good or I'm bad. I'm right or I'm wrong. A parent doesn't come. They don't care for me. There's something wrong with me. That's the conclusion I come up with. There's something wrong with me. So it's those kind of things generally that that um, we pick up when we're young and when we're... Um, those kind of belief systems. It, 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 you talked about shame. It's kind of like that. It's like there's something wrong with me. I'm not acceptable. I'm not lovable. Something like that. It really gets in the way. Yeah, something that... I find it comes up a lot in conversations about this topic has to do with that we aren't that equipped to deal with all these situations when we're younger and that's the point of growing up and learning but you know really getting to untie the past you know it can be hard whether there's a traumatic incidents or even just trying to disconnect the beliefs that you have you know that can be hard to face especially when you don't feel like you need to change or want to change you know how do you start to you know act towards this yeah 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 that's the million dollar question <laughs> it really is mm-hmm. um, the, the first piece is just awareness you know I mean because I'll guarantee you that most people have no idea that there are experiences that they've had in the past that are affecting how they see the world today. That they, you know, that the beliefs were established when they were five, six, seven years old that are affecting them today. And so, so usually I'll ask people to start with kind of their earliest memories, um, because our our brains attach emotional intensity to a memory. So that's how we remember things from our past, is there some kind of emotional involvement. So if people can think back about, what do I remember from my youth? What was substantial? What was significant? Where did I have some kind of emotional reaction? If they can get in touch with that, then they can begin to kind of remember, observe, reflect, oh, what did I, what did I think back then? Was I, and it, and it, as a five-year-old, you're not thinking about beliefs and conclusions. But as an adult, you can look back and say, oh, yeah, I probably, I left thinking this, or I remember thinking that. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can say, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't accurate. That wasn't a, a good way to, to um, 
it wasn't a positive conclusion. It wasn't an, a reasonable conclusion. And then you change. You begin to recognize that and just change the change the belief. You know, oh, that wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. And then you begin to to kind of work on that. Yeah, so. that's a great goal to start releasing these old feelings inside of us um, or breaking some of the patterns that we're stuck in. Uh, are there some practices that you find to be most approachable? Talk about journaling and physical exercise, how some of these things are can be really good for you, but sometimes it can be hard to approach. Are there any methods that you find to be easy if people are starting off? Yeah, 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 great question. Um, if you can start with something that's already a part of your interests, a part of your life, um, something you're doing already, that's the place to start. And it's, with exercise, it's really as simple as, you know, I like to walk, or I've got to walk between classes anyway, so I'm going to walk a little longer. Or, you know, I like to, um, you know, hang out with my friends. Well, let's go for a walk instead of sitting around. Something where you're just, you're just expanding it a little, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't become this major project. Uh, it just, kind of like what you said with sleep, right? It's exactly the same thing. You, you want to change it a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. um, and... And then the other thing that helps is some kind of reward connected to that activity, right? If, and I, I, I'm a little leery about rewards because they can be kind of fakey, right? Mm -hmm. So you don't want to set yourself up to like play this game necessarily. But you know, if you again, if you want to exercise more, maybe one of the rewards is that you do it with a friend. Mm -hmm. Maybe one of the rewards is that you have a nice snack when you're done with your, your walk. Mm -hmm. Something like that, to just kind of move it in slowly kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And you lead the group Get It Done, which is on our campus, and that has to do with helping with procrastinating. Um, you know, I find that I can set these goals for myself, I can uh, journal, I can have all these ideas and hopes, I can feel super motivated one day, I get it done, and it can be hard to keep that consistency, or even just starting what I wanted to do. Yeah. What do you think of that? Yeah, yeah, that's, that really is the million dollar question, um, how to manage all that. A um, couple of details, really. The um, first of all, it takes a lot of energy, a lot of mental energy, to make a change like that. So you kind of want to know up front. This is going to tire me out, right? So you want to start small, right? You want to start with some project that maybe takes five minutes, ten minutes in a day, and just get into it at that level. Um, if it's, you know, homework's a little different story because there's kind of a pressure that you gotta get so much done, but um, if there's a paper you have to write or something you know is gonna take some energy, it's really 
breaking it down into smaller pieces um, and, and knowing that it's going to tire you out. And then keep in mind that you want to do activities that are going to build back that mental energy. Mm. So things like exercise are great for building mental energy. Mm. Some kind of mindful activity, some kind of deep breathing, some kind of relaxation for your mind. Um, going on your phone is not a relaxing activity, mm. right? It might seem like it. You might have that illusion. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so finding, and, and honestly, things like visualizing getting your project done, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a goal and you can spend even a minute just imagining and visualizing what it's going to look like when it's done, that's really an effective energy building tool for you. Mm -hmm. um, and the other one is positive self-talk. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that, oh, you can do this, you know? Brock, I got this. Jim, I got this. You know, you're, you're on your way. Yeah. There's a... Uh... Sometimes, even if you're trying to act with positive self-talk or beliefs in yourself, maybe this is connected to what we were talking to before, where there might still be that small voice in your head that has this, you know, pattern of speech that it might not take you down when you hear it, but it might be these small things that you're just used to hearing. Like, if there's something that says, Oh, I'm not enough or and there's all these kinds of small things that can trigger it throughout our day you know to what extent is that okay and normal and what can we you know try to substitute that with yeah 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 so a couple different thoughts right one is it starts with awareness so the, it's great to kind of be listening to that voice, be unaware that that voice is there. And then when you have time, it's like, where does that come from, mm. right? Kind of a curiosity about why is that voice there? And honestly, if you're able to reflect enough, it's gonna remind you of an experience you had a while ago, right? Whether it was last month or 20 years ago. Mm. but. There'll be something where you go, oh, that's where that voice came from. That's where that, that happened. If you can get back to the beginning, right, of where it started, that's the key. Because then you can go, oh, I understand now. And, and that's the place where you can offer yourself some self-compassion, right, some understanding. Um, so that that's the the deeper way to go to change that voice you can also do it in a real practical kind of like you're alluding to at the beginning it's like well I just have to I just have to recognize the voice and then just change the voice right and there's value to that right like no I'm not an idiot right and you know I don't know where that voice comes from but I know that I'm not dumb and so helping you change the reframe the voice is works, but knowing where it came from is really the key, right? It's just because um, then you can then you can um, change it, but also offer yourself some self-compassion. You know, like um, it, oftentimes I talk about it like your adult self talking to your childhood self. Mm -hmm. So if you know that you 
feel like you were um, worthless because your dad didn't come to pick you up on a on a home visit um, and you felt like you were just a bad kid. You know, as an adult, you can go back and say, hey, it wasn't your fault. And, and almost talking to yourself like that, you know, just like, hey, I understand, it's okay. It's not you. Can I ask you what guided you to this line of work? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people, right? I mean, I think at the, at the end of it, but um, I spent a lot of time in nonprofit social service work, um, which was a lot of interviewing people, just a lot of like helping them get medical coverage and that kind of thing. Um, and I felt like it wasn't enough. Like, I wasn't able to help them as much as I wanted to. So I really found that therapy, psychotherapy, psychological testing um, really fits the bill for me. It's like, I just feel like it's a hand-in-glove thing. You know, it just, it's exactly what I want to be doing. That's so. great. Um, you know, sometimes I can have these rough couple days where I... I'm like, oh, maybe I need to go see a therapist, you know, I need help figuring this out, but then I find something that helps me get out of that, helps me find a way out, and, you know, I think part of that is good to help yourself, but for anyone that is not sure what they should do in getting therapy, if they don't know if it's for them, how do you think they can make that decision? Yeah, what can be helpful? Um, unbiased, right? I mean, I think we could all use therapy. Um, and, and honestly, we could all benefit from therapy. Um, I think the biggest challenge is actually first getting, just making that first step, right? Just, <clears throat> um, that's not the hardest thing about therapy is that first step, calling, making the appointment. Um, and then after that, it's, is this a good fit for me? It's this person that I'm talking to, does this fit for me? Is it a good fit? And really, if you can get those two things figured out, um, it can be really useful, right? You just you have someone to talk to that you can bounce ideas off of, that you can explore things with. You can talk about the past if you want to. You can talk about the present and kind of things you can problem solve with or things you want to adjust. Communication with others, learning more about that. There are just so many things that therapy can include that it's um, really beneficial for anybody. The other thing people need to know is that they control the sessions, right? It's up to the individual what they want to share, what they want to work on. Um, it's not psychoanalysis, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's all, you know, it's all different than that. We're not there to, to um, assess, you know, all your past uh, stuff without you being engaged in it. So. Right. Yeah, sometimes it can seem like therapy is supposed to be this answer, but, um, yeah, you said that, you know, the person is the expert when it comes to their own therapy. What have you seen or what can someone do to get the most out of this experience because not 
you know, when I've gone to therapy, it's asking, what do you want to get out of this? You know, is there something in the big picture they can get out of it, or how can they get the most out of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think the kind of maybe the simple answer is just that idea of uh, being more vulnerable, taking the risk. Um, and it's like any other relationship, right? You, you want to build that trust with someone, and that takes time. But if you have it in your back of your mind that I'm going to do my best to engage in this process, right? And, it, and it's, it's, I think the benefit mainly is if you can get in touch with how you feel about things and begin to talk about those feelings, that tends to open up the whole ball game, right? Because we're so good at figuring things out with our head, but not always understanding what our feelings are. And, and that, I think, is maybe one of the core things that, that uh, therapy can help with, is just, how are you feeling? How come you're feeling the way you are? And, you know, what can you do about that? Yeah, <clears throat> well, what are some concrete things that people could do now to help them get more in touch with their feelings or release some of the stuff we talked about before? Yeah, um, I think the one of the um, beginning, well, the beginning piece of, of all of this is, is that awareness of how I'm feeling. Um, and oftentimes we're so quick to judge the feeling and put it away. So really the beginning piece of all of this is just like, when I feel something coming up in my body or I feel some kind of emotion, um, just to give it its, its respect, right? Give it its value. So it, it becomes more of an awareness of, oh, and that, person cut me off in traffic. I just, it kind of raised this, this feeling in me. I wonder what that's about. How was I feeling about that? Well, I'm angry. This, this guy intentionally cut me off. And so it's part of that is just like awareness. What was I feeling? And putting a word to it and then beginning to, beginning to be curious, right? Oh, where did that come from? Um, so it's not a bad thing. It's not like there's something wrong with you. It's, oh, I had this feeling. What, I wonder what that's about. So anyway, that's one of the practical things you can start to do is just like be curious about those emotions and, and what's going on. Yeah. Uh, we would like to begin closing with a mindfulness exercise, if you'd like to guide that. Yeah, yeah, you bet. The, um, so if you... Just get comfortable in your chair um, or wherever you are, sitting, uh, even laying down. And I want to start by having you uh, take a few deep breaths. We'll have you um, breathe in on a four count, hold for four counts, breathe out on a four count, and then hold for four In, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, out, 
two, three, four, and hold two, three, four. I want you to just continue that breathing cycle, uh, counting on your own. And again, you're breathing in that clean, relaxed air, holding, and then breathing out any of the tension that you're holding. Now I want to walk you through what we call a body scan. And I'll have you just start by observing any tension that's in your head. You might notice you have tension in your temples, behind your eyes. Maybe your jaw is tense from the day. Just observe now. That's the whole point of being aware of that observation. And I want you to remember to continue to breathe a deep breath in your stomach. And as you're observing the tension in your head, as you come back to your out-breath, I want you to just let go of all of the tension in your head. Everything that you observed, the stress that's there, just imagine that it's being released as you breathe out. I want you to observe your leaving out of your fingertips, just going out into the air around you, letting all of that tension go. And I want you to pay attention to the center of your body, your stomach and right below your stomach. 
hungry in our stomachs. So just notice if it's tense, any stress there. And then on your out breath, just let all of the tension Notice from the top of your head down through your shoulders and neck and arms to the center of your being. It's just things are more relaxed now. Now pay attention to your back, your hips, down into your legs. absorb so much stress and just let it go, giving up all the worry, all the stress. I want you to take a minute just to notice the difference, how much more relaxed you are. do a quick scan and notice if there's other stress that's come back or that hasn't gone out yet. And again, just notice it. And then on your next out breath, just let it go through the breath. for the day, refreshed and, refreshed and relaxed. Thank you very much, Jim. It was great having you. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Until next time, I hope you have a great day.
Dying in the middle. I need some water. Nice.